Well, good morning, Grace Church. It is great to be with you. My name is Gary Underwood. I am the campus pastor at Grace Church's Ellet campus. I hope you've, maybe you've heard of Ellet, the land of the orange men. They don't really know what that means. That's just their mascot. Uh, but we've been excited to see that the group God is bringing together on the east side of Akron. We meet at Springfield High School, nine o'clock and 1030. Actually, right now we are inflicting the passion and heart of Joe Caruso on those fine people over there. This morning, Joe is preaching at Ellet. Uh, but it is great for me to be with you guys and to see how God has used grace church. As Donnie mentioned, 30 and 30, this passion of saying, we, we've got good news. We've got God doing great things in our lives. And it's, it's never just about us. It's the opportunity he gives us to be a part of what he's doing in the lives and the people around us. So guys, I'm thrilled to be with you this morning. I'd love to show you a picture of my family. Uh, my wife, Jenny, and I have been married for 17 years. Oh, there we are. Uh, we've been married for 17 years. That's our family Two weeks ago in South Carolina at our favorite beach. It's our little slice of heaven. We're there with our three kids. And that, that one moment, parents, you get this, when they're all actually smiling at the same time. Actually, one of them is like an almost smile. I don't know. He, my son's wearing a brown shirt and he's still happy. I don't get that. Uh, but but we, we love the, the way God's brought our family together and brought us back to, to Akron in the last year. And uh, our three kids love being a part of Grace Church. Allie is 13. And she's our artist and passionate, and we kind of go crazy together in, in, in a good way. Uh, Luke is 11, and then Julie is 9. And, and guys, we're going to talk a little bit about, really about prayer in this morning's conversation. I'm excited to, to, to think about this, this symbol that God gives us of that we can view him as a father. And I love being a dad. I'm thrilled being a dad. I, I enjoy watching my kids grow and the questions that they ask. Sometimes I'm like, where'd you hear that? Or how did you get that? Or what do you really want when you're bringing this, this thing to me? Uh, but I love watching them in different, different phases of life. And like yesterday, we were at uh, the Copley Soccer Complex on 1806 Copley Road with 47,000 other adults and kids for a soccer tournament. Our youngest, Julie, plays for the Green Lady Bulldogs. I don't know why they have to specify Lady Bulldogs. They don't call the guys like the gentlemen Bulldogs. I don't know. But, but we rooted for, and it was a little bit confusing there too because their uniforms are orange, but they're called green. And so I guess I can yell out, go green or go orange, either color. I just want them to go like down the field towards the goal. And so I'm watching this team and we've watched these, these nine-year-olds, I guess it's U10, like we've watched this team all season, seen them learn soccer, seen them learn to play as a team, right? Seeing them hustle. But, but as I'm there watching, I'm not just a random spectator. I'm not just a fan of all things green lady bulldog. Like I'm zeroed in on number 18 and she plays defense and her name is Julie Grace Underwood. And I'm watching my daughter, right? In fact, you can check my phone if you want proof. Like I, I took a bunch of pictures of yesterday's tournament and more than half of them are just, Julie, I'm watching, I'm thinking about, I'm rooting for, right? I, I'm asking questions. I, I'm, like, I'm like there with her in that moment. I'm not physically on the soccer field, but my heart is, right? Because my kid is out there. This morning, when we think about prayer, 
And, and even when those first followers of Jesus, right, this series about see differently, live differently, we're, we're kind of starting from a place where perhaps you've made a decision already. Okay, I believe in God. I want to follow Jesus. I, I want to know what he has to say. Uh, Jeff Bogue started this series about living differently last weekend saying, hey, if we, if we really want to live differently and, and, and involve God in our lives, then, then the Bible right? Calls the shots, teaching, correcting, rebuking, training, like useful in every area of our lives. And so one of the ways we live differently is that the Bible teaches and directs us. But another thing is as we read and interact with God's word and we, we get the heart and mind of God as we, as we think about the Bible, well, God invites us to call him dad. God invites you and me to call him father. All throughout that book or those 66 books from beginning to end or Genesis to Revelation, like the God of the universe created me and created you with the potential of a relationship with him. In fact, at one moment he says, you as dearly beloved children or anyone who believes in Jesus and, and has a, a, an awareness of their sins being forgiven and they're, they're, they're free from just the, the trappings of this life or self-centeredness. They have God in their lives. The Bible says in John 1, 12, that, that you are now a son or daughter of God. And so you can talk with him. Jesus says, guys, you can just talk with God and say, our father in heaven. You can approach him as dad, as daddy. And we're going to look this morning. What's your concept of prayer? Like, what do you think about or, or what's been your experience with? Or maybe when you've heard somebody else pray, I, I was fortunate to grow up in a family that, yeah, believed in God. And we prayed, thanking God for our food. Or sometimes when there was an emergency or when, when we got some bad news, you know, there was a, just a reminder. Or you hear people use the phrase, our thoughts and prayers go out to them. What does that mean? Prayer. What does that mean to you? What's been your experience with that? Because at, at some point along the way, a lot of us picked up this idea that, that when I approach or I start talking to God, I have to, I have to try to say the right words. Or I have to sound spiritual. Or I can't do it. I, can, I really can't pray unless the pastor is here. Like when I'm, when I'm at a family reunion, they know I'm like Pastor Gary. So they're like, hey, if we're going to pray for the food, let's get the pastor to do it right? Because he's supposed to be like really good at it. Like, what does that even mean to be, to be good at prayer? And where did we get that? Like, where did you get your definition of, of what it means to, to pray? Was it from a church or a family member or something that you, you heard someone say about, about prayer? Because I've heard some people pray and it sounds just so eloquent and maybe they pray in the King James Version and they pray in a different tone like they would never talk to another person that way, but they, they raise their voice and pray and it's like, whoa, <laughs> I don't know if, I, I, don't know if I, can, I can do that myself. And, and at the same time, if we were to look honestly at Scripture, God doesn't want me to pray like somebody else. Right? God didn't give you or give me guidelines or instructions to say, well, you really need to pray 
like someone spiritual. You really need to pray like someone religious or you need to learn more or believe for more years before you can start talking to God. No, the Bible says, hey guys, at any moment, don't miss this, at any moment, we can just talk to God. It's like at any moment, if I wanted to, I could pull this, this phone out and have access to anyone or any, any information from around the world. It's, it's just a reminder. Like uh, we, have, we have some things that, that go with us wherever we go. Have you had that moment where you're like, I can't find my phone? I, dude, I feel lost, right? <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't forget. I got to go back and get it. I got to find it. Hey, somebody call my phone so I know where, where it is. Oh, the ringer's off. Like, like there are these, these lost moments for the things that we think should be with us or this access that we think we, we deserve or that we've, we've just grown accustomed to. And yet when it comes to prayer, guys, the Bible says God is always here. He's not far away and distant. He's present. He's not judging or saying, oh yeah, now you want to talk to me now that you're in a bind. No, he's ready to listen and he cares. It's like when my, my daughter comes off the soccer field at the end of the game. I, I want to connect with her. I want to talk to her. I want to hear how she's feeling. What was her experience? Maybe she's got questions for me. One that I, I don't know what's behind this. And uh, every, after every game, she's like, Dad, can we go get ice cream? Like every game. I anticipate the question. Like I still want her to ask. Sometimes I'm going to say yes, because I want some too. And yesterday when we were at 1806 Copley Road, like I instantly thought, well, maybe what she's asking for isn't even as good as the gift I want to give her. Hashtag Swenson's is five minutes away. You know, like I'm thinking of other good and perfect gifts, galley boy, that I want to experience with her. <laughs> right? So she might come to me with a request and I'm thinking, I got something even better for you, Julie, <laughs> and for our whole family. There are times when we go to God uh, with our needs or problems or our thoughts, and he's got something better in mind. So I'd love for us to think about uh, what do you actually believe about God and, and this thing called prayer? Because I firmly believe and want us to consider that, that our beliefs, things we believe about God directly impact the way we approach him. What you believe about God impacts the, the way you pray, if ever like if, if I believe God is holy and perfect and he's just going to judge me or, you know, he knows I'm not good enough or he knows about what I did Friday night and, and I can't, I can never be good enough for him. If, if that's like the limit of your belief in God, then, then boy, prayer is going to be hard if I just feel guilty all the time. Or if God seems distant and I don't really agree that he's everywhere and that he's, he's, he's listening. I mean, even though the Bible says God's eyes and, and ears are on those who want to be righteous and he's listening to our prayers. Like I might hear that, but if I don't embrace it and believe it, then I'm not going to want to talk to him. The things we believe. So th think about what do you believe? Do I really believe in a loving God who wants me to call him dad? or wants me to call him father, or created me and you for relationship. If I really believe that, then I'll approach him. Honestly, personally, right? Not trying to be somebody else. Not trying to pray like Pastor Jeff, or Mother Teresa, or some grandma that prayed a lot for you. Like, like really saying, no, God knows my life. He's that best friend that knows us better than we know ourselves. I think it would help us to see kind of an example of what it means to be honest and real in prayer. I'd love for you to join me in the book of Psalms. 
It's in the Old Testament. It might look like psalms because it starts with a P, but that word means uh, prayers and spiritual songs. If you open up, uh, if you have a Grace Church Bible, it's on page 378. Guys, if you don't have a Bible, please take one uh, from the, the chair in front of you or download the Grace Church app. Uh, I love that you can kind of follow along and, and jot down some of your thoughts or questions there in the Grace Church app. But I've got some of the verses there. We're going to look at Psalm 16. Psalm 16. And I think the book of Psalms has helped me in, in so many ways embrace that I can just be Gary with God. Or you can just be Jim with God or Paula with God. Like you can be yourself and be real and God knows what you're thinking already. So, and some people say, well, if God already knows, why talk to him? Imagine if your best friend acted like that or if your spouse did. She already knows I love her, so I don't got to keep telling her. Right? Well, the point is relationship. The point isn't our circumstances or our needs or how we respond to life. The point is that God created us to experience incredible joy and fulfillment in connection with him. And in the Psalms, we see one man's honest, right, struggling to connect with God his life circumstances, sometimes making him feel like God is far away. Chaos and evil are winning. Like, I, I don't know what to do. Oh, God, would you please help? In Psalm 16, it's written by an ancient Old Testament king named David. And in a lot of these prayers, he just pours out his feelings. And some of us, maybe especially us guys, aren't good at sharing our feelings. We have a God that already knows and created us with feelings, so I guess we can blame him. But here is King David, like leader, chief of Israel, warrior and fighter. He's commanded armies, right? He's led into battle. He's attacked and killed wild beasts. Like if anyone's more masculine and tough in scripture, I don't know who it is because he took down a giant called Goliath. Like David is, is not just seen as strong and warrior guy at some moments. The Bible also tells us about his flaws. Like there's no perfect people in this room and David's not a perfect person either, right? If we read First and Second Samuel, we can see some of David's lifestyle or his decisions or his, his failures in an attempt to follow God. It's a lot of what the Bible is, just people like you and me. Sometimes we draw near to God and want to follow him. Other times, whether it's our sin or our doubt or our pride, like we're not so good <laughs> at fixing our eyes on God and trusting him. So the Bible tells us David isn't perfect, but David is called a man after God's own heart. And so I think we can see in David's prayers what, what it means for us to just talk with God. Right? What it means as I'm reading the Bible or as I'm reflecting on the reality of God in my life and I'm saying, all right, I, I don't fully get this mystery called prayer, but if you're like me and you believe that he exists and that he cares and that he's a father, we got to try. Got to take a step of faith and just start talking to him. Sometimes it's a prayer like David in Psalm 16. He's just starting with, God, uh, I need your help. Psalm 16, look with me at verse one. Well, I'll read the first six verses. He says, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of those holy people who are in the land, he was talking about Israel, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. 
But those who run after other gods, they will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to worship such gods or take their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Several years ago, I was, I was going through a season where I just was, was busy all the time. I wasn't creating like just, just spaces and moments where I just want to draw close to God personally. Not because of my circumstances, just because like fundamentally I see myself as a child or a son of God in some way. And so I want to know him better, right? And I started reading these Psalms. And Psalm 16 jumped off the page because at one moment David's praying, right? Like, God, keep me safe. I'm taking refuge in you. And then in another moment, he's giving us like insider, third person comments about his, his talk with God. In verse two, he says, I say to the Lord. He's remembering something that he said specifically. God, you are my Lord. I'm not going to worship money. I'm not going to worship comfort. I'm not living for other people's approval, though I'm tempted to do that sometimes. David had that, that prayer moment at some point, and he's remembering this in, in Psalm 16. Like, I said, God's my God. God's first in my life. I surrendered in some way, right? That, that, that I truly do believe he's God. Well, if he is, then, then I, I want to know him and live for him. But he starts with this occasion of crisis, right? He says, keep me safe. So David had enemies, armies that opposed Israel and want to take King David out. He had jealous leaders often chasing him to take his throne. So some of these Psalms are just prayers really saying like, God, I'm on the run. He's like a Cleveland Browns quarterback. He's never safe. He's on the run. Right? I got to lighten the mood here a little bit. He's in danger. Right? I have nobody to help me. And he's like, God is my go-to. I'm not doing something else to, to medicate the pain and feel comfortable. I'm not going to binge watch Netflix for two hours and think my problems will go away. I'm not going to look at some porn site and turn to some other thing that I think will make me feel valued in the moment. Guys, we turn to all kinds of other things. At least we get this honest, raw moment from David saying, help me, God. I don't think anybody else is listening to David say that. Guys, some of the best prayers we pray, nobody else ever needs to hear. Like that one-on-one -on -one best friendship with the one who knows us better than anyone else. David didn't let his other guards and soldiers in Israel or the people see his weak moments, but he always let God in. God, I'm messed up. God, I'm scared. God, I know I'm supposed to be strong for all these people, and yet I'm afraid. Many of his prayers start with just honest moments of fear and stress and anxiety and doubt. And he's saying, all right, I'm going to you, God. I'm running first to you. You are my refuge. So who do you run to, guys, for encouragement or protection or strength? Who do you talk to? Because I sit up here as the pastor that people expect to know how to pray, and I struggle with this. Like sometimes I'm going to other things to, to make me feel better. Or when I'm wrestling with a decision, I'm more likely to call three of my close friends. And God's like, dude, like I'm right here. All the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the awareness of your life, past, present, and future, I'm sitting right here. 
I'm not just the one you call when there's a, a fire or a crisis. I, I, I'm here every step of the way. Just like you're watching and rooting for number 18 on that soccer field, God's like, I'm watching and I care about your life. You can take refuge in me. Guys, we're going to pull several thoughts about your talking with God or your view of prayer right out of Psalm 16. And the first one is this. We can talk with God about our problems. We can talk with God about our problems. Everybody in the room has them, right? Some of you walked in more aware of or more burdened with a specific problem. Maybe you're reminded in your honest moments that the biggest problem is that dude I see in the mirror every morning. Because we got to be honest, the problem isn't just in the world. The problem's in here. We are all sinners. We all make mistakes, right, guys? We all need not just a Savior, but a Father and a friend who will guide us and shepherd us and encourage us through life so we can talk with Him. I remember uh, hearing it was part of a life group when I was in high school and we talked about like this thing called prayer. And I had heard people talk about prayer. I'd been at church services where people prayed. And then I, then I started listening to other people pray and, and, and hearing one person talk like, like, like God's just in the room and I can, I can tell him my stuff. I can ask him questions and, and let that linger. Or I can have moments where I'm like, I don't even know what to pray, God. I'm just frustrated. And I'll tell him that. See, in the Bible, we see prayer as this, uh, not a formula, not a prescription for how you should do it if you really want to do it right. Well, that's a real good prayer. We see so many different personalities, people just being themselves with God, telling God their problems, their emotions, their feelings. Sometimes it is those things that remind us, hey, we need to reach out to God. On the way here yesterday, that warning light on my dashboard went on and I was like, you need gasoline, get gasoline. And my Jeep like pinged me and beeped. And I'm like, well, can I make it to Gent Road? Or it didn't tell me like, out of one of those indicators, like, no, you need to get off now. By the way, you got like 200 more yards before it's done. I took a leap of faith. I made it to Gent Road last night, I think. But my point is that indicator on the dashboard said, I need to get some gas. Our emotions sometimes are the indicator, a reminder, or circumstances reminding us to say, you know what? I do need to talk with God. I do need to be honest, right, and run to him. David's doing that. David's doing that. In the Old Testament, Hannah is another good example. Like, she's, she's depressed. She's sad. She's broken. It seemed like everyone else she knows is able to have children and she's dealing with the burden and emotion and pain of, of God, I want children, but I can't. And she pours out her, her emotions and her brokenness and God hears and, and is with her in those moments. And he knew the longer story of her life and how he was going to bless her. But she's a model of, guys, no matter what we're going through, talk with God about our problems. And as David does this, like he doesn't spell out the situation in every prayer, but as David's saying, God, keep me safe. It's not just the, 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 the quest for God's help and, and protection. It's we see God in this moment of prayer reminding David of, yes, I will do that. I've done that in the past, David. I've been watching over you your entire life. I've got, I've got this. 
I've got this challenge. Look with me as he goes on. In verse three, he says, I say of the holy people. He's talking about his friends in Israel, those, those people that have said, we believe and we're following God. He says, I, I say of those people, they are the noble ones in whom was all my delight. Like, he's like, I need to be around those people who also struggle, but they still want to trust God and talk with him. They made a decision to live differently and to, to follow God's word. But then he says, those who run after other gods, they'll suffer more and more. I will not pour out their libations of blood to such gods or take their names on my lips. See, David often uh, led the people of Israel into moments of worship or making sacrifices to show that they were sorry and repentant for their sins. So people counted on David to like know how to worship. And here he's reminding himself, guys, I I don't want to worship any other gods but the true and living God who has been there for me, and he is good. Sometimes when we pray, or sometimes when we're just going through the challenges and problems we face in life, we need to remember the truth. Guys, we need to remember what we believe. There's sometimes when I pray and I'm like, God seems so far away. And yet I have to remind myself, no, he's actually right here. If I believe God is all present, that doesn't rule out Elliot, right? If I believe he's everywhere, that doesn't rule out no matter where we go the rest of today, like God is still going to be with us whether we feel like it or not. What would it look like for us to not base our ideas of prayer on our feelings, but on the reality of God's nearness and his invitation to a friendship and a conversation? Because David now, as he's talking with God and he's, he's sharing his, his problems and his, his stress, he goes on, he says in verse five, he says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. It's like David is saying, um, wait a minute, God, as I'm talking with you, I'm reminded of all the other ways you've come through. You've taken care of my needs to this point right? You've had great plans for my life and you've made me promises and you've come through before. There's this, this fascinating thing that happens like when we start to pray and acknowledge God's presence and his spirit actually brings to mind things we've been through, prayers that he's answered, right? Ways that he's provided or shown up in my life that I can't take credit for. But David, as he's talking with God, he realizes God is good. And as he's praying, he's talking with God about his needs. We can talk with God about our needs. He's saying, you've taken care of my portion and my cup. What does that even mean? It's his way of saying, God, you've given me everything I need. You've provided for my physical needs and and food and shelter and life. David saw his cup as his opportunity specific for him to lead as king, like, like you've allowed me to have victories in the past. You've allowed me this position to serve you in a meaningful way. And guys, we may not be king of any country someday, but God's placed you here and now for such a time as this. Right, to say, thank you, God, for what you've done in my life. Thank you, God, for being here for me, for bringing me to this point. It may feel like a roller coaster, but David's looking back and he's saying, God, you've taken care of me. You're going to come through again. You haven't left me alone or lost. He says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. 
I don't understand some of what he's saying with boundary lines. Like I drive through Copley and Montrose and Fairlawn and Bath, and sometimes I don't really know what, what part of the town I'm actually in. Um, and I've had several people explain it to me this weekend, so thank you. Now I'll know when I'm in Montrose or not. It's good to know. David is saying, hey God, thank you for where I get to live. Thank you for the nation of Israel and the favor that you have shown them. Thank you for this opportunity that we, the Israel had specific blessings throughout the Old Testament and David's just saying, thanks God. Maybe we feel that in our country. Thank you God for some of the good things we have, right? And the blessings and freedoms and opportunities to gather like this, we should be grateful for. But it's just David's way of saying, God, okay, I know you supply all my needs. I know in this moment where I've come to you looking for refuge and strength, I know you're good. Just saying, I want that habit. In the midst of tough times, being able to say, okay, uh, God's been so good in the past. Let me remind myself of that when it's dark, right? Or when I feel hopeless. Because as he's praying, he continues to, to edit and tell us a little bit about his conversation with God. Look at verse 7. He's come to God with his problem and, and aware of his needs. He says, I will praise the Lord. Like, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to focus on him. I'm going to lift my spirit and my eyes and my focus to praising the Lord. He says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I'd like to leave that verse up there for a minute for us. Those two verses. Guys, when the Bible talks about prayer, when the Bible talks about how we get to live differently as followers of Christ, if you've made that decision, like David said, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. If you've made a decision to trust God and, and believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that, that, that at that moment... <laughs> God puts his very spirit inside of us. It's, it's a mystery for us to understand and practice that, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit actually indwells believers. And so things like when I read the Bible and something starts to connect with my real questions in life, that's the Holy Spirit making this book convict, encourage, challenge, right? Help us learn and realize things. The Holy Spirit is teaching us through the Bible. Or when it's at some point throughout your day, God brings to mind a thought or someone that you have said that you love and you'd pray for. Or he helps you with a decision and you're like, I, I don't know how I knew that, but I think God wanted me to, to talk to this person. Sometimes that's the Holy Spirit working in our conscience and our thoughts. And, and David in verse seven is saying like, God, thank you for guiding my life. <laughs> Intimately caring for me. Look, he says, I will praise the Lord who counsels and encourages me. I know I can go to him with my, with my stuff, with my junk. Pray like this. Even at night, my heart instructs me. It's just his reminder that like at night, I don't know how you slept last night, but sometimes the, the battles, the anxiety, the concerns of your day, whether you are in middle school or have uh, kids who are in middle school or you're, you're saying goodbye to loved ones that are moving away or you're facing a new challenge at work, like it's, sometimes it's at night or when we wake up in the morning that, that, that what you're dealing with in life can come back to you. And we need that reminder like David, we can talk to him. I mean, the Bible has so many invitations. Whatever you're anxious about, you can cast all of your anxieties, cast all of your thoughts on him because he cares for you. But we got to remember that he's there. 
David says, I, I'm not always so good at that. I, I, don't, I don't know about how you are at remembering things. Guys, I don't know how you are at remembering things. A lot of us just met today. Okay, but I, I remember a friend of mine reading some of these verses and saying, like as a brand new follower of Jesus, he's like, wait a minute, God hears my prayers? God's always here and, and available to talk to me? He's with me all week? Oh, I, I need that. It's a, it's a man who came to faith in Jesus later on in his life, an ex, ex-Marine who he's like, I think tangibly, I need to remind myself of God's presence in some way. That we can talk with God all the time. So like David has said in verse 8, he says, I, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. What does that mean? Like you can't even see God. He's, he's invisible, right? How, how are you keeping your eyes on the Lord? Or as one translation says, I have set the Lord always before me. So my friend Joe, new believer, says, all right, when I get up in the morning, I want to start my day. I, I need that reminder, that visible, you know, where I can, I can conceive or I can think about the fact that God's with me all day. So he will start in the morning, make breakfast or coffee, hopefully Starbucks Cafe Verona blend. That would be my favorite since you asked. But Joe would say, I want to remember God is with me today. So he would start with his breakfast and his, and his coffee, and he would set a chair next to him and just start talking to the chair. Like it, it felt really weird at first, but it sounds like a good kind of weird because every day he started his morning with this awareness of God's my friend. God's here. Like God is present. God's ears are attentive to our prayers. God's in the room. And he said, if I start my day that way, I'm more likely to think about him. He's more likely to bring thoughts to mind throughout the week. Like, I, I don't know what would help you embrace this reality that we can talk to God all the time. You don't have to be in a church service doesn't have to be some spiritual moment. But David in Psalm 16, he says, I, I, I know that I, it's easy to forget. It's easy to get busy or distracted by my circumstances. I want to remember in some way that God's right here next to me. Right? What would help you? I had one person tell me they, they put a list of their prayer requests like above the shower every morning. It's a good habit to shower, right? To wash your body. Some, hopefully nobody has to remind you to do that on a regular basis. But she's like, yeah, this helps me remember every day there are things I want to talk to God about. There's stuff that like I, I've committed. I said, I want, I want to follow him and, and be this kind of person that, that, that's in conversation with him. So she put that up as a reminder every single day. I'm like, that's a great idea. I have other friends who, who know, you know, the annoying notifications that you get. And even today when you download apps, you don't have to tell it to ping you. Like, oh, great. I, I didn't really want to know, you know, this new article from Bleacher Report about the, how the Buckeyes blew out Nebraska. Like, I didn't want to know how many yards Mike Weber had, but it pings me and tells me, you know. Like our apps ping us. What if we took control of these devices and said, I want a reminder every day just, just for, for two minutes in the morning or something. Hey, talk to God today. Like intentionally reminding myself God's here. Instead of saying my thoughts and prayers are with you guys, I actually want to be a person who prays for them. And so I record a note 
and play it back for myself later and pray for that person. I have another friend who, who his habit, it was another good kind of weird, we'd just be sitting there talking and I would share something. And, and, and you know how you can share deeper things or personal things with a couple of your closest friends? I hope you have one or two that, that they know you and they can see past, you know, like tell me how you're really doing. That's when life groups are at their best, guys, when we're, we're just honest about life. But I had one friend that as I was just being honest with my life, he'd be nodding and I could tell he was really listening. And then in the middle of our conversation, the dude would just start praying. And I'm like, like okay, I guess I'm going to pray too. He, he did that constantly. And there were a couple of times I was kind of annoyed, like, like, Roger, I thought we were just talking, you know? But he was so committed to prayer and so aware of God's presence in everyday life and every moment that like, how often do we just talk about, oh, I really should pray for that. And right there is the occasion to do it. And we have a God who's not up there going, well, actually, you really should fold your hands. Or you really should say, dear heavenly father, and if you don't end it with amen, the prayer doesn't count. I think that's a hilarious phrase, prayer counts or not. Like really? When, when Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. When God tells us in the New Testament, like followers of Jesus, uh, that God's aware of the times and places where we live. You live in Copley, good for you. Right? You live in Richfield. Good for you. The Bible says like, like where we live and how God has placed us here, he's done that with intentionality so that at some point we might like look up or look out for God. And it says he is near to each one of us. God's as near as the chair next to you. But what would it look like? Like David, David's habit was writing it out. My thoughts get distracted in prayer. I don't know about you. My thoughts get easily distracted. I had several well-intentioned pastoral or praying for my family or praying for things I want to work on in my life. And this week they got interrupted by prayers that, that the Indians would actually score another run. Like we get so easily distracted, right? And we're not used to silence. And yet we have this incredible opportunity. So David, in order to help him remember his thoughts before God, he's writing stuff out. My man wrote 150 psalms and probably many other prayers. I'm just saying, whatever is that habit, whatever would be a good reminder for you, do it. Do it. If you believe God's with you, if you believe he invites us to talk with him about our problems, our needs, our hopes and dreams, like whatever's going on, you just want to be yourself with God and you can. David says, I've set the Lord always before me. And listen to how this just fires him up. Listen to the, the hope and passion that he ends this psalms with, this, this prayer with. Psalm 16, 9, he says, Therefore my heart is glad. He's like, I love this. We got to remember at the end of verse 8, David says, Because God's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. There's nothing you can do to me. David's just full of hope and strength and courage right now because it's not based on his circumstances. It's based on his God. Friends, we believe in that unstoppable God, right? We want to draw near to him. We want to take steps of faith and trust him. But this happens as a process when we talk with him. 
in everyday life. So David's saying, therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave. It's like as David's praying, he gets perspective. Oh, wait. Like God's given me eternal life. God says even the worst thing that could happen, the worst danger could be that one of David's enemies kills him. Just takes his life right there. And they were all threats. But David's like, as he's praying, God doesn't change his circumstances. He changes his outlook. He starts to see differently. God promised that, that one of David's descendants would be the ultimate king of Israel, Jesus. And so David's like, wait a minute, God promised that he wasn't going to abandon me. I better remember that in the storm. I better remember that when I'm in trouble when I'm discouraged or tempted to lose my faith, I better remember that as I talk with God. He reminds me of his truth and his goodness and his power. And David even says, you will not let your Holy One see decay. There, David's remembering the specific promise that God would send a holy son of God, a savior as one of David's descendants from Israel to rule and reign and save people for eternity. Not just Israel, but people from every tongue and tribe and nation. And David's like, hold on. Like, God's real. I've seen him at work. I need, and I'm drawing close to him right now, but I know he wins. Right? I know how the story ends. Guys, we have a hope. We are running for the hope of heaven. We need to remember that in 2017 when we got to deal with stress on the job or brokenness in our family or how do we plan for our financial future or how do we have that difficult conversation we've been avoiding. Like we need to remember God's truth and his salvation in the big things and expect his response in all things. Because as David's praying, he is talking with God and he's getting inspired. He's reminded of the victory. He's reminded of the purpose that God has called him to. Look at verse 11, 16, 11. He says, God, you make known to me the path of life. I don't want to turn to anyone else for cheap imitations. God has made known the path of the best way to live. Jesus even says, I have come not to make your lives boring and spiritual and, and you got to perform for God. He says, I've come so that you all, any of you guys who believe in me can have life. And he says, life to the fullest. Like the greatest joy, the strongest hope, the best kind of love. I even feel like, like the, the deepest love and longings we experience in human relationships are a taste of what God has created for us to experience with him. Life to the fullest. And as David's praying, he's inspired. Guys, at the end, if it was the 1990s, David would have said, booyah. Like God is awesome. He wins. He's on the throne. He's in charge. And I belong to him. But David doesn't get there and, and feel that. Empowerment, unless he's talking with God. And so let me get back to the question we started with. Like, what do you believe about prayer? Because what we believe about prayer, that, that I got to say the right things, or I'm not sure I can do this, or it's, it's about how I perform in some way, or is it an invitation to talk to my father? who dearly loves you. Guys, he knows your problems. He knows our needs. He knows the, the burdens that you carry. And he's saying, come to me, all you who are carrying burdens, and, let, and let's talk. 
It'd be kind of crazy of us to, to talk about him in the third person together without saying, all right, this is our moment, right? He's in the room. If it helps you to have a chair, what reminds you of his presence? He's in the room right now. So let's take a moment and just talk with him. Let's pray together. First, God, we want to thank you that you are all-powerful, God. You are all-present. You are all-knowing, and yet you choose to, to love. And you know each one of us. God, let us be appropriately in awe of that fact and just move that, that why, why should you care about our little lives here in 2017? And yet you do. And you're not far from each one of us. So God, would you help us take a next step in embracing this invitation to pray and just talk with you? That you didn't create me to be somebody that I'm not or to try to impress you or anybody else with my words. You created each one of us to be your sons and daughters. And because of the, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we can be brought back home to you as our heavenly father. And in that relationship, God, you, you know us. Your ears are attentive. God, you care. Would you help us we can be so easily distracted, God. We can be so fixed on our own agenda or our own circumstances that we miss out on this conversation. God, we don't want to miss out anymore. We want to keep our eyes on you. Right now, God, we want to use these moments to just talk with you. In a moment, the band is going to lead us in a time just to, to respond and sing. But if, if you just want to use this time to talk with God or think about your life or say, yeah, what do I really believe about prayer? Have I treated God as a religious leader that's far away or have I, have I actually started talking with him? God, thank you that you invited us to, to live differently, that you're not looking at, at us to be, to be religious and to be anything but ourselves. And that you would teach us and guide us and, and bring us closer to you as we just decide, yes, let's talk.